Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirit of Dragon in the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J. Cat Morris. Man, shit's been crazy as fuck. I, I don't even know what to get into first, last, the other thing. Um... Shaheen's got some questions up here for me, some topics, as always. Shout out to my man Shaheen recording this episode as, as he has for the past multiple months now. Um, check all his stuff out. Get his, uh, you know, get him to draw something up for you. Commission him to do something. He's the man with that shit. So uh, check him out. Um, so I'm just going to go down his questions as they go. And then I have other stuff I want to get into, too, but... I'm like I said, my brain is kind of scrambled at the moment. I got so much going on and it's just uh it's just been crazy. It's been a lot of nonstop moving at work and just just a lot of uh a 
lot of stuff going on. So I'm going to try to do what I can and put out somewhat of an episode for you tonight. And uh, let's just get through these topics. Uh, spring break, Moxley versus Gage coming up. Um, now, I didn't watch any of the spring break. I caught some bits and pieces of the um, ICW stuff. So we'll get into some of that. But um, I, you know, I had heard bits and pieces of things with spring break and everything. Um, I wanted to watch some of it, but I, I definitely wasn't buying it. Um, I guess after Gage beat RSP, they had um, Moxley run in and challenge Gage or lay him out or whatever the fuck. So uh, that's that's that. Um, nothing nothing with Nick Gage is gonna is gonna excite me at all anymore you know he's just he's a shell of himself he's you know for me it's it's not nick gage anymore it's it's really not it's an addict that's all it is it's an addict running around yelling catchphrases and doing nowhere near what he used to physically Um, has alex cologne and gage ever happened that you can recall not not that i can remember I mean, it's not impossible, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember that one happening one-on-one, but I think if, if it happened at all, it happened more in this, like, new era stuff, which I definitely have way less uh, viewing of, you know, as far as the GCW stuff. And, you know, they toured around the country, and they were jumping from spot to spot. And I would think maybe one of those shows it happened on, but, yeah, I'm not positive. Teddy Hart shows up and sits front row. Uh, I had heard that he showed up and sat front row at the um, GCW show. And um, I guess that that was just all right. I mean, he was just out there like that. Um, I didn't hear anything about him being kicked out or anything like this. Um, But we'll we'll get back to that. Um, Teddy gets kicked out of ICW. Now, this shit I heard about. This shit, actually, I was watching a little bit of the the show. And uh, the commentators said, like, right off the start, they're like, Teddy Hart just walked in here. And they were immediately saying shit like, get this fucking guy out of here and whatever. So that made me happy that, you know, finally something he did cross the line for people to actually have some kind of moral stance and be like, you know, we don't want this fucking guy around or it's a bad look to have him around. I've been saying this shit for years, you know, and it's weird how some people find different moral grounds for them to be on. So like it was all right for him to be abusing animals. It was all right for a girl to have disappeared. Everybody laughed and joked at me like, you know, I was a jerk off because, oh, this guy's mad at Teddy about the cats, you know, and now suddenly this dude's canceled. But I guess this is off the Maria saga. You know, the, the that shit was going on for a long time. And while it was going on, he was still working fucking shows. So it's like, how long did you motherfuckers wait for the other shoe to drop to finally go? Oh, wait, this isn't a good dude. No shit. You know what the fuck? So. I don't know what it was because now they're saying like it's the domestic stuff or whatever, but let's, let's be real. Like Danny D'Amato didn't kick that fucking guy out of the show. He might be talking shit now. And now he's, he's on the, you know, I kicked Teddy out of my show bullshit. But when it comes down to it, John Wayne Murdoch and Justin Kyle were the main leading forces in kicking Teddy the fuck out and being very 
blunt and vocal and not fucking around, threatening this dude and everything. And and I got to give a huge shout out to John Wayne Murdoch on that because, you know, anyone who listens to this show for long enough knows that I didn't have a lot of respect for John Wayne Murdoch. He was hitting fans up for pizza, like having them order him pizzas online. Like he would meet a fan at a show in Jersey, go back home to Kentucky and then hit people up on messenger and be like, yo, here's the number to the thing, you know, pay credit card by phone or whatever and order me a pizza. I'm starving. I have no food. You know, bullshit like that. He was really taking advantage of people. And I had a lot of people sending me screenshots, you know, a few years back. And, and I just saw that as like a dirtbag move. So I didn't have a lot of respect for him. Um, you know, I think he works pretty hard in the ring. Um, I, I think he's a very good deathmatch wrestler. But he also, you know, is one of these dudes that just let himself get to the point where he looked like he was pregnant with twins. You know, so to me, like the work ethic didn't didn't earn me any respect, you know, any earn any respect with me, I should say. And um, that that fucking begging fans for money shit is disgusting. So I didn't have any respect for this dude like that. And um, but to see this and take some kind of stance and be like, you know, he, he was like. I'll bust your, I'll beat your fucking brains in or some shit like this. And I love that shit, man. Um, and then Justin Kyle, you know, he was right up front. If you watch the video, he, he was right up front ahead of John Wayne Murdoch, ready for fucking action with this guy. Um, Teddy has since come out. He put a video out saying, uh, you know, real condescending that he was just supporting the, uh, the company that barely had any fans there and he was leaving anyway and he wasn't being kicked out, but he was leaving and he'll fight any one of them. If it's one-on-one, please, somebody, please fucking somebody book Justin Kyle versus Teddy Hart on your show and know what the fuck is going to go down. will be fucking talked about. It will bring buzz to your fucking company. I know Teddy's trash. I know we want to get him the fuck out of here. And I couldn't be happier to see the fucking business finally rejecting this shithead. But please, someone book those two in a fucking match so he can get his ass kicked on the way out this fucking business. Or John Wayne Murdoch. Let that one happen, too. Because I, he'll handle him, too. Teddy's a, Teddy's a complete bitch. And it's been like this for a long time. You know? Like I said, it was all fun and games when he was just an animal abuser. And it was like, oh, J-Cat has a problem with Teddy. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's got a problem with Teddy. And the funny thing to me is Danny DeMano's taking this high moral stance all of a sudden when he had a fucking domestic. He had a domestic situation that's right on fucking Instagram. You go look it up. It's got the police record, arrested in Woodbridge, all of this. And then... uh he booked Necro. Necro, you know, beat the shit out of him. But he booked ter- him, no problem. So it's like suddenly, all of a sudden, oh, he has no, his guy has no place there. Hmm, okay. You say so, you know? And it's like, I'm fine with this dude getting canceled. Believe me, I have no disagreements with him getting thrown the fuck out, but I'm also not going to be calling a guy who's doing the same kind of shit a hero, you know, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, what's funny too, is going back to the, uh, GCW where he was front row or whatever the case was. I think he was at the blood sports show. 
Well, he went up to, or maybe the, I don't know. I, I had heard that he was at the blood sports show, but I, yeah, I don't know what the case was. Cause I didn't really see any of that, but I guess Chris Dickinson took a picture with him like in the locker room for a second. And I guess he caught some shit off of it because he put out like an apology video today for taking a picture with Teddy, which again, I find fucking beautiful because it was all fucking good for the longest time. No matter what a shithead this guy was for animals, no matter how, how bad the whole situation with animals looked, People made excuses, people took pictures, people fucking hung out with them, big smiles, pictures, all this. And now all of a sudden, you got to apologize, you take a picture with this fucking guy because it's not a good look for your career. And I love that because it shouldn't be a good look for your career dealing with shitheads like that. This is where, you know, again, I've said in the past, like, your movement loses credibility when you allow bullshit to happen within it. So you can't uphold some kind of my my uh, my company's a safe place and there's no toxic this and this and then have Teddy fucking heart sitting 10 feet away from you while you're spewing this bullshit. It's not a real thing because Teddy's as toxic as it gets. So you, you can't claim to have a non-toxic environment if Teddy Hart is any any way, shape or form allowed in that fucking environment. But my prediction is Teddy Hart kills himself within the next two years. That's my prediction. That's not what I'm telling him to do because, you know, I don't want to be accused of anything. But I think that's going to happen because I, I think now this is Teddy's Teddy's ability. He burned all of his TV bridges a long time ago, uh, especially MLW was, I think, probably the last TV kind of bridge that he had left. Um, Ring of Honor wants no part of him. Uh, WWE wants no fucking part of him. Um, no AEW wants part of him. Impact. It's all It's all over. All of that shit is completely over and off the table for the rest of that guy's fucking life. But the place that he was still allowed to shine and be a star. Two places, really. The GCW world. You know, that that indie world where that was catching fire and Teddy was the guy coming back and then they would book him against, you know, Jody Fleisch and Joey Janela and, you know, all these these big names that no one else was bringing in anybody for Teddy. No one else was putting Teddy up against anybody. So his resurgence came through GCW and this and this comes to the point now where Dickinson has to make an apology for putting a picture up, you bet your ass that fucking GCW ain't booking them anymore, whether they want to or not. Because Brett ain't got no fucking morals either. You know, go listen to his Desert Eagle, Desert Eagle fucking track. That that dude's <laughs> he's lucky he's allowed to run fucking anything with that old dumb shit. Um, but GCW is, is going to be done with him, straight up. ICW's clearly not fucking with him. And, and then who else is? As far as big indies go, that it's over. It's fucking over for him. The only other place that I don't know what the uh, status of his bridge is, is Mexico. And Mexico, he's burned his bridge multiple times, but like they keep opening it up. So I don't know if there's anything left there that he could still go back down there and work or if they ain't fucking with him like that either. Because when the well dries up and Teddy can't just walk back into a wrestling promotion again, it's just crazy Teddy 
bedazzling shit, running around, fucking abusing animals. And he's not welcome any of the places he's been welcome for his whole fucking life. So believe me, this fucking guy is almost over. We're almost done hearing about Teddy Hart. I can pretty much guarantee you that. He'll kick and scream all the way out. So we'll still hear about him for a little bit. But we're almost done with this cocksucker. That's my prediction. Um, and then he, he was at a sober environment after party with like stripper shit and like uh, they're selling kombucha, wherever. The fuck. I, I don't know what the fuck goes on. I don't, I don't, you know. Um, some, some fan named Mittens is Danny D'Amato's manager. Like, I, I saw him come out, which is like, you know, here's the thing. I watched the first couple of matches and they were kicking ass. They were doing some hard hitting, ass kicking shit. And I was like, this is the type of shit that I'm into. This is this is the hard-hitting shit that I'm into. And then a Danny DeMano's music hit. Brandon Kirk came out. So I got, like, immediately just deflated. Like, fuck, this is why I don't watch this shit. And, yeah, like, Danny DeMano comes out. And this fat fucking sloppy fan comes flying out of the fucking curtain. Screaming like, you know, he's, he's Danny DeMano's hype man. This dude's just in, like, fucking black fucking wrestling t-shirt. Looks filthy. He looks like he stinks. And he's just running around screaming about Danny DeMano. Like, nobody's looking for that shit. I, I don't, like, I said it a bunch of times, but Danny DeMano is the New York DJ Hyde. He's a guy that nobody wants to fucking see wrestle. Maybe a couple of his fucking friends or, you know, that just... For the most part, no one wants to fucking see him wrestle. No one's hyped about a Danny DeMano match on the card. Nobody. And nobody wants to hear his fucking promos. He thinks he's got some fucking fire on the promos. Because he, you know, he gets on there and he talks shit about people. But that doesn't mean his promos are any fucking good. Just doesn't mean anything about his shit has, has draw to it. Now, you know, look. Danny DeMano... And Brett Lauderdale, for that matter. Danny DeMano came up when Jersey All-Pro, for the most part. And, you know, he, he took beatings from some of the best out there. The Doghouse crew. I mean, he, he was out there taking ass kickings. So he's been in there with really great talent. A lot. It, it hasn't made him a great talent whatsoever. But, you know, you could say that you know, he, he's uh, he's put in work because he, he's taken some fucking serious beatings, you know, and he's been around and he, he's done some things. But still, after all of that, after every single thing, after decades of this shit, no one gives a fuck about a Danny DeMano. However, he learned enough while he was a Jersey All-Pro. He breezed through CZW and, you know, then you got uh, Brett Lauderdale, who spent a long time around CZW and you know they learned how to book the way that the fans have been screaming they wanted to see so they know the hard hitting shit sells they know the high flying stuff sells and they know the death matches sell and fans were screaming for shit the DJ wasn't giving them for years so it was so easy to fill that fucking want it was like an Amazon wish list that no one was buying anything off of and suddenly they they had a a gift card that would cover all that shit. 
So so they showed up and fucking checked everything off the list. And they were like, the fans flocked to them because they were like, holy shit, we had all this stuff on our wish list for years and nobody was fulfilling it. So it was an easy go for them to just execute on the formula that was already there. But so, you know, for that, those guys are draws just for the sake of fulfilling a wish that that was there and just being unfulfilled because DJ was too fucking arrogant. To, to pull the trigger on any of this shit. He thought he knew better. He thought he could figure out his own way to do things. And no matter what the fans wanted, no, you're not going to get that. You're going to get this, which is Vince's shit. That, that's Vince McMahon's shit where he goes, I'll tell you what you're going to get. Bitch, you, you, you're a fucking, you're, an, you're a fat money mark indie promoter. You, you can't just fucking do that to fans who are coming monthly. Like, this isn't a weekly television show worth millions. This is a fucking, this is an indie company that's now a shell of its former self. You're trying to reinvent the wheel while you're creeping out all the fucking girls in the locker room. And, and yeah, as soon as something better showed up, they got the fuck out of there. And you saw CZW's crowd. So, you know, like I've said over time, I'll give credit where credit is due that the product that's being put out there is a whole lot better to watch than a lot of the other shit that's going on and has been going on. But the formula was there. So, um, yeah. Um, but this, this, I don't, you know, now he's got a fan out there. I don't know if the fan paid for a quarter of the show and, and now that's, that's why he's running around with Danny. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on there. It's silly looking. Everything about it is silly looking. Um, Low-key takes shots at Seth Rollins, uh, then gets called out for throwing a fit at CZW. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is... is Low-key, I don't know what his, his deal is. I really don't. I feel like he's lost it over the past, like, year or so. And I know a lot of people had problems with him for years. But... It seems like all of a sudden he just doesn't fucking get it. Cause for a guy who's been around to be like butthurt over a fucking move that's being used that that he used or this that he you know, that's just been going on his entire career. I mean, the SAT, the amazing red. I mean, these guys did so much that was just copied and imitated and turned into something else. And you don't see amazing red on fucking Twitter freaking out about people using his moves on TV. It's just, and then he's calling himself a professional and this and that, and then talking all this shit about, Oh, you could do it the right way. But again, yeah, he did kick and scream and get carried out of CZW. I mean, look, we're still like, we're talking about a young low key at that point too. So I'm not going to I'm not going to hold him to that like that should be the defining moment in his career because I mean that was like 99 2000 I mean come on it's 2020 run 21 right now so if if the last thing you're bringing up with this guy is 21 years ago I, you know I hear you but it's not holding quite the amount of weight you want it to to me um, I, I do think Loki's been a complete shithead over the past between the mask, the anti-mask shit. And then, you know, this stuff whining on fucking Twitter about people using his moves on TV and not earning their spot. Are you fucking kidding me? The amount of time that these guys are putting in and they're 
in their travel schedule and their in their I mean WWE's schedule is crazy. And he knows that. He fucking knows that. So to say that guys like Seth Rollins didn't earn their spot because they might be using his move or some shit, get the fuck out of here. You should know better than that. You should be better than that because you don't look like a guy who, who's about to be booked by anybody when you start doing that shit. Not that at this point it probably doesn't matter to him, though. No. Um New Jack did one spot, people complained because he couldn't do so much. So what happened was it was supposed to be Carnage Crew um, versus uh, the Rejects. So it was supposed to be, initially it was supposed to be New Jack and the Carnage Crew, which I don't know why they didn't use Masada. Someone else brought that up to me. I remember who said that might have been Shaheen or Jeremy or somebody um, because that was Carnage crew. It was he was part of the Carnage crew. New Jack was never part of the Carnage crew, but I guess, you know, for some form of nostalgia or some shit. So they had them and it was supposed to be the rejects, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. And they added Akira to the, the rejects recently, I guess. Um, or to, what's within the past year, I would think. Um, well, uh, Kira got COVID, so he couldn't be on the whole fucking weekend. So I replaced him with that um, uh, Neil Diamond Cutter dude uh, who tries to stiff people on T-shirts. Um, so that was supposed to be the match. Now, here's the thing. If you have a match and you have it lined up like that, three on three, it's not cool to wait until the last 35 seconds of the match for your music to hit. And then you come out to save the day. You're not saving the day. You shut up late as a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, so it's two on three for the whole match. And then new Jack's music hits with like 30 seconds left in the match. He comes out. Another guy is carrying the garbage can for him to the ring and then hands the garbage can to him so he could throw it over the top rope when he gets down there. They do a couple little spots, match over, and John Wayne Murdoch, he was ready to call people out this weekend. So he starts pretty much saying, like, I didn't want this fucking guy involved at all. We want to see the Carnage crew versus the Rejects, not any of this other extra shit, meaning New Jack. That, you know, it's just supposed to be these two versus these two. Let's get this shit going. You know, we want to do it again without these fucking people. So New Jack gets pissed off. He grabs the mic, talked about he'll fuck anybody up, anybody who wants some shit, you know, he'll fuck them up. But then he says, oh, I've been drinking all motherfucking day. So again, like you barely fucking wrestled. You had another guy carry your gimmick to the fucking ring who wasn't like a manager or anything. He was like a fucking security member or, you know, ring crew. That was carrying your shit because you couldn't even carry your fucking shit to the ring. And now you're talking shit to people about beating them the fuck up. You couldn't even carry your own shit to the ring. You couldn't even work the entire fucking match and come out when everybody else fucking comes out. Because it's a six man. It's not a fucking uh, you're saving the day because the, the one of the six men didn't show up. You were the six men that didn't show up. So now your fucking music plays through the whole end of the match because you're a hero now. You show up with somebody car carrying your shit. 
and then then you get on the mic like that's a good thing to tell people that like i've been drinking all day well that's responsible that that shows you how much he respects you as fans that he just got fucking wasted all day when you were looking forward to the match with new jack in it he wasn't giving you fucking all the new jack he was giving you drunk wasted barely fucking got here new jack you know this this is another one of those guys that people should have been told telling him to fuck off a long time ago because he's been crazy unprofessional. He's been doing shit that if it was a different type of fucking dude, they would have banned him from the business a long time ago. Like, oh, th this green guy tried to pick him up, so he just stabbed the shit out of him. Like, that, so fucking blatant that nobody else gets away with that type of shit. There's people that shoot on people and this and that. But it's not like a blatant fucking stabbing. <laughs> like multiple stab wounds and then he goes on the interview and he goes like yeah so then i stuck him and i stuck him again the knife got stuck in his bones you know what i mean like you gotta be fucking kidding me with this guy and now he's just he's making a mockery of this how much did you pay that fucking guy to do what he did that night maybe that fucking mittens paid for that fucking that appearance i don't know i, I don't fucking know mittens <laughs> uh Commentary, I guess, is starting to battle back and forth. GCW, ICW, I didn't hear any of it, but uh, um, if he launches a new clothing line called Wrestling is Gay and Virgil models it, all right. Um, Justin Kyle versus Bruce Santee. This is, I, I watched this match, and I'm telling you, like, this Justin Kyle's a bad motherfucker. He, this is a hard-hitting match between these two beasts. And um, this is why I'm telling you, Justin Kyle versus Teddy Hart, please make it fucking happen because he will body that dude. Like, he he ain't gonna leave shit left for this fucking guy. If you let him go in there and just be like, do your fucking thing, bro. Like, handle this fucking guy. Um, so, yeah, that's the type of shit I like. That hard-hitting shit. Uh, TJ and Friends... Yeah. Uh, TJ and friends backstage issues. So, um, this was, I don't remember what show this was at. Um, one of the, I think it was a GCW show. Yeah, I believe it was a GCW show. So he, um, he was backstage getting completely fucking shit based as usual. And you know, if you watch his video, he's very proud of himself for that. And this is the this is the part where like you gotta understand, I'm not talking about your kids, I'm talking about your parenting. When you're on the video and you're saying, I gotta yeah, I gotta get home, I gotta take an Uber home, and my kids I don't have a babysitter. And then within 30 seconds you're going, I gotta get really fucking shit faced to go home because I'm not gonna go home sober like a bitch. Like, I don't even know what the fuck that's supposed to mean. But you just said a minute ago that you have to get home to your children. So if the next thing out of your mouth is I got to get shit faced before I go home. Don't fucking get mad at people for for judging your parenting because you're putting it on display and you're a shithead. You're a shithead and your kids deserve better than you is what I'm fucking saying to you. That's not talking shit about your kids. That's talking about. You, you fucking entitled scumbag. So while he's backstage fucking milling around, he started, he's starting to ruffle feathers. 
because he's wasted. He's getting in people's business. He's in the fucking locker room that's supposed to be kind of sacred space. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be like just for the the wrestlers, and 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 they work shit out, and they you know they they can remove that fourth wall and 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 talk to each other about the match and what they're gonna do and all of that shit. And it really shouldn't be on display for random people catching backstage footage, because then it's on the internet with like, oh, remember when they said that they were gonna do that spot? They did that spot. Like so, there you go. Like to me, that ruins it. That doesn't help it. So he's following Matt Justice around and dude is telling him like, first off, he was out there trying to film, you know, during the match, which I'm not really sure what the reason for that is. Like if you have your own videographers and, and you have video coverage and you have live streams and you have all those things, what is this fan cam shit that you got him doing? Who is that valuable to? I, I don't understand. It's like shit footage of something you already have better footage of. So I'm not really sure what you're doing. So he's like, he's fucking walking around. He trips over some shit, falls into the stage or off the stage while they're doing spots. And I guess Matt Justice sees this. So now when they, when he's backstage, he's trying to run around filming them. And Matt Justice is telling, uh, I think he was telling the Atticus dude or somebody else he was talking to and he was like uh he's like yeah like the the camera guy took the biggest bump of the match you see him fall off the fucking stage this guy like he's a fucking goof so uh he he's falling around he's like dude stop filming me and he's like no no uh, uh brett's paying me to film you which is the number one problem in this situation these motherfuckers like brett have given these shitheads like TJ power. They've given them validation on the bullshit that they're doing. On the assholes that they're acting like. You know, the the TJs of the world, the boulevard bullies, the all that. You're, you're fucking kicking down locker room doors and opening it for these shitheads that are just fans. They're just fans that now have access to stuff and the ability to maybe piggyback off your success and make themselves some form of internet star or viral or some fucking bullshit (laughs) and that's their life that's their whole fucking identity is i run around backstage at fucking wrestling shows so you can watch my shit because that's what i'm doing so if you like that you'll like me no i fucking won't so he's telling them no dude stop filming me and he's like no dude no no uh I, dude, I'm just trying to get you over. And he he yells at him, dude, I've been watching wrestling for 30 years. I don't understand what the fuck entitlement that you're trying to express to a fucking wrestler that's asking you to give him his fucking privacy. I, I have no fucking idea why you would think that that's all right. Or you're so entitled that even if he tells you, get the fuck away from me, your answer is no. Like that dude should have beat the shit at a TJ. But then he would be called unprofessional. You know, this is the problem. So then uh, he, he's whining and crying about the fucking No, but I'm trying to get you over. He's saying, you get them over. What are you fucking talking about? Did this guy get to the fucking WWE level because you got him over or because he did a good job at what he does? 
Every fucking wrestler in that locker room should be insulted by that fucking statement that he's just trying to get them over. Everybody in that locker room should be insulted by that. But again, it takes a long time for people to get back around to like seeing things the way that they are. Actually looking at the product that's being presented in front of them or, or, or the, um, you know, the person they see in front of them, like the Teddy Hearts, the TJs. The, these are just worthless shitheads. And they're putting themselves on display every month, month in and month out. I don't have to fucking do anything. I sit back. If I turn on TJ's bullshit next month, it'll be TJ wasted. Acting like a complete fucking shithead. As a grown fucking man. And, and you know, and I, how, how am I supposed to take that shit seriously? It's just, it's insane. I, I can't, I can't do it with these fucking guys. Um, so that's that. And then at the end of that show, um, Atticus, Atticus, uh, Kogar was wrestling somebody. And after the match, he calls him over. Come here, come here. And TJ scurries over there. Like, Oh, I'm getting, a, I'm getting exclusive. And he fucking gets, he gets in there, starts cutting like a half a promo and then smashes his fucking camera on the floor. <laughs> so I don't know if there's going to be another GoFundMe for that shit. Because now his camera's broken. But <laughs> it's funny. It's so funny. Um, but also, you know, Atticus was backstage when Matt was asking him for fucking privacy and to not be filmed. And he was screaming, no, no, no. So a lot of times that's what happens. You think you're on the ends with everybody until you start disrespecting one of them. And now you'll realize exactly where you stand. So I think, again, beginning of the end, I don't think we're going to see a lot more of this dude if he keeps his fucking speed at the same level. If he doesn't pump his brakes and start having respect for motherfuckers, he's going to stop being allowed all the places he's at. That, that Again, prediction, I don't know, because Brett's the one who started this shit to begin with, with this guy and, and all the other guys. And remember, the Boulevard Bully guys were like all up in that shit, and then suddenly they violated something they didn't want them doing, and... Then they were gone. So, um, but there were another ones because this shit was going on for a while where like, um, I think it was a Boulevard Bullies. It was either them or TJ. Went up to Leo Rush after best of the best or his last match or Joey match or some kind of shit in CZW. And he said some shit like, yeah, man, you know, I just want to uh, get back to, and I think Leo's a dick either way, but in this situation, he was just, he was actually being nice to them and said, yeah, you know, I just want to get back. To, I get my, my parents are here to watch my match. So I just, you know, want to, you know, wrap this up and go, you know, talk to, talk to them, you know, my family. And they go, Oh shit, let's go say hi to Leo's family. Like you're not fucking important. Nobody needs you to fucking interview them. You're not like actual reporters. You're not really the content you're putting out isn't isn't that dope where people need to just fucking give you full access to everything. It, it's really not. It's like bonus footage at best on a DVD. I, it just you get a shitload of followers and all that, but like that all those actions that you're taking 
crying and whining at wrestlers that you're getting them over and that's that's going to be frowned upon pretty soon i i it's it's clearly already started but it's going to get worse dmx dies um good you know here's the thing i love dmx's early music and look you 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 give you give him fucking two albums, two and a half albums, and that's it. This motherfucker ain't made good music in fucking 20 years. So let's just get that right off the fucking rip. You know, all the people that were, oh, what are we going to do without you, King? You're going to do the same shit you were doing because he wasn't making a fucking impact anymore. He was on that versus battle half asleep. He, he was fucked up. He wasn't up there hyped. Like he's been in the past. He wasn't out there putting that shit out. You know? But the thing is, is this guy's real fucking history. His history is animal abuse. Dogs died because of him. He was fighting fucking dogs. He had 15 dogs in 2008. He had 15 dogs removed from his property. And another three found dead in the yard, dead buried in the yard. The dogs that were removed from his property were mostly emaciated, being starved, uh, terrible fight wounds all over them. You know, this is this is what his, you know, for my dogs, you know, that's that's what it was. It was fighting dogs. It, it was that shit. And you got to understand it goes a lot further than that, too. It's not just DMX did this shit and he did do that shit. And to me, that's that's inexcusable. You can't you can't turn around and be like, oh, oh, man, rest in peace. Like, what are we going to do? Like, oh, the world is lost now, nah, man. You put out great fucking music and I'll rock that fucking music. Here's the thing, like you could even talk about terrible shit in your songs. But if you're actually going and doing that now, I don't respect you as a person. And I don't give a fuck if you die. I'll even listen to that song. I Bushwick Bill. I love Bushwick Bill music. Fucking um Ever So Clear to me is one of the greatest rap songs of all time. The problem with that song is it's real life. Like he really beat that chick and made him shoot made her shoot him in the eye cuz threatening to, to kill the kid and 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 hitting her and all of it and choking her and all this shit. And that song is fucking dope. But if it was just a story, if it was just a story like a movie, that would have been all right. And I still would have respected the shit out of his, his, um, yeah, as a person, I'd, I'd still would have respected him. But the fact that there was truth to that made me not give a fuck when he died. Didn't make me not like the song because again, put it in the context of a story, put DMX shit in the context of a story or a rap song or just the way he came across his delivery was crazy. His delivery was intense. It was crazy. It, it was it, he had that voice that nobody ever fucking heard before. He had that intensity and that just fucking anger. And you know, it it was bomb ass fucking music. And it still is. I still rock it. But fuck him as a person because he killed dogs. And you can't you can't tell me. I love dogs. I love dogs. I love dogs. Posting about your dog all the time. And I love dogs and I love dogs. And then shedding tears over a guy who killed dogs for fun. 
He didn't need the fucking money. He killed dogs. That was his hobby was killing fucking dogs. So the other part where it goes further than that, why his impact is so much bigger on animals than whatever he killed personally, whatever dogs died at his hands personally, is because when his shit popped, the effect that he had on the hood as a whole, you had motherfuckers driving around with ATVs all over the hood where they weren't doing that shit before. That was that Rough Rider shit, you know, where they started with the fucking off-road shit all in the hood. Three-wheelers, ATV, the whole shit. And they were doing the shit. And I saw it. And fucking, so in the 90s, like, that, that shit started really popping off because he was doing it. And that was cool. But you know what else got cool? In the hood was dogs. And not just family dogs but my dog is tougher than yours my dog fights my dog's tough my dog dog fighting had an uptick in the fucking 90s because of dmx glorifying the type of shit that he was doing and then it became cooler to have the baddest pit and the toughest pit and that increased fucking breeding my shelter is still full of fucking pit bulls our Newark shelter has never stopped being full of pit bulls. And it only intensified so much of that because he was he was a walking advertisement for that. You got to know that, like, if you put out some kind of media that popularizes a breed of any sort, it, it goes through the fucking roof. Um when 101 Dalmatians came out back in the day, Dalmatians became like the thing. There's a lot of those things that that took, you know, an, an upsurge in that. Now that didn't, you know, really turn into Dalmatians being, you know, fought and, and, and neglected so much. However, some of the overbreeding of Dalmatians has turned that breed into a way more susceptible to disease and, and organ failures. And you now see like a Dalmatian and they're not as healthy of a breed in general. Again, of course there's healthy dogs, but they're a little bit more prone to things now because of the overbreeding way, way back when 101 Dalmatians came out. So, Things like that happen. And when the popularity of the breed of the pit bull became big and, and glorious, that resonated through the hood. And I hate to break the fucking news to you, but there's not a ton of great animal owners in the hood. There are some. There's people that love their dogs. There's people that treat their dogs great. But I'd say nine out of ten pit bulls in the hood aren't being treated like, you know, you know, top of top of the line, you know, family animals. Like they're not, they're not being treated with the utmost respect. There's not a lot of, uh, pipples in the hood on like science diet dog food and, you know, with big yards and shit. Cause again, like it, cities aren't set up for fucking good living. And I've said this shit a lot about like, even for people, it's just, Everybody is just clustered in. You just warehousing people. So when you mix animals into that mix too, it it's just generally not good. Um, but the fighting definitely took 
an upsurge, you know, from all of that. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's, um, that's something that I can't forgive that dude for. I've been wishing death on that dude for years. I've been wishing death on Mike Vick for years because of that. And you know what? I ain't got to wish death on DMX no more because I already got it. <laughs> yeah, now fuck him. I don't give a fuck about that. And if, uh, you know, you can't you can't separate the two and just so, say, yo, that music is fucking hot, but fuck that dude. If you're really going to boohoo and fucking, you know, I don't, I'm not really trying to hear any of that shit. I don't give a fuck about your tears. I just don't. Because his music meant the same shit to me as it meant to you motherfuckers, but only I have higher morals and a little bit more fucking pride in myself than to fucking put myself out there like I'm just weeping over a scumbag. Uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong. Watch this movie, um... I, I don't think I'm really going to... Well, I don't know if I'm giving anything. Uh, just just in case I give anything away, spoiler alert, give me like two minutes, you know? Um, so, I, I liked the movie. I don't think it was bad. Um, I thought they drug out too much of the... Some of the technical shit that I don't really think held that much weight. It was just... It seemed like filler to me. Cause it didn't, it didn't catch me up to speed with some of the other shit that I wanted to know. Like at some point they got like locked in. Some of the characters got locked in this like uh, shipping container kind of thing. And it had these big red orbs and she's like, Oh, those are, I forget what she called them. And I like went like, what the, when did they talk about that shit? Like, what the fuck are these things? I mean, they looked like some kind of bombs or some shit, but I don't remember, you know, it being really explained, like, exactly what these things were. And I, just overall, and, like, the dude who was the evil, you know, guy in the story, I don't really think that I got a grasp at all of why he was doing anything he was doing. Like, what what was his purpose? I I didn't get it. You know, so to me, I feel like some of those things needed to be ironed out a little bit more. So it worked seamlessly. So you could just kind of have fun through the movie watching this and go, oh, he's doing this because of that. But oh, now we got this going on, you know, so special effects wise and all that. It was it was, a you know, just beautiful with the, the Kong and, and Godzilla and just the way that it looks now with this everything high def. And this is dope. The CGI shit just it, it looked great. So, um, you know, it wasn't a bad movie, but, you know, I just had some issues with the way that, uh, shit was executed and, and, uh, explained and all that. Um, Dark Side of the Ring, FMW, Nick Gage, etc. coming up. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Gage one to just see what the fuck they say about him. Um, I watched some of those, some of those I don't really have that much interest in, but, um, I'll, I'll definitely check that one out. Uh. Cassidy battles Hitman Holla. They had a pre-battle thing where uh, Hitman's saying, I'll air this bitch out. And he's walking around. He, he went and grabbed his bag. Pretty much, you know, saying he was going to shoot shoot Cassidy and shit. And, you know, the shit just kind of ended with them staying their separate ways and yelling at each other and shit. And supposedly the battle itself, Cassidy destroyed him, which a lot of people 
who are even sleeping on Cassidy and saying, oh, he's just an injury. Cassidy doesn't know what he's getting into with this hitman. Holler's been running shit, and he, he's going to fuck his ass up. And and then Cassidy, like, blazed him and, and surprised a lot of people who, who didn't believe he could. I really want to see this. The problem is this rap battle shit that they do, it, it's 50 fucking dollars to watch a fucking like rap battle pay-per-view. You got to understand that like you lose me at $15. If it was 10, bu- you get me maybe 12, maybe 12. And I would, and I would watch it. You say 15 and I'm just watching motherfuckers rap. Nah, I don't, I don't think I'm good with that. 50 bro. I can get like three to four subscription services for an entire month for $50 and watch binge watch fucking TV shows and movies and shit like this. I, I quit my fucking job, binge watch fucking shit off the streaming services for an entire month for $50 and never watch the same thing within a month's time. If I watch 24 hours a day, shit, that, that's how much I could fit into $50 for viewing. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, if some of these wrestling screaming services, is it screaming services, streaming services are $10 and you go watch whole libraries of shit and live feeds. When you, when you go and you charge $20 for the GCW one show and you half the time, the streams are suspect as fuck where they're cutting in and out and I'm hearing people complain and all that shit. But the, this other streaming service, I'm watching a live shit for the same $9.99 that I paid all fucking month. And I can watch shows all weekend that are live. Like, somebody's got to take a pay cut. Somebody's got to come down to reality and start charging the same shit that other people are. Because it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And this rap battle shit, again, I cannot imagine anyone on the fucking planet that I would want to watch rap battle for $50. Like nobody. I don't give a fuck who they are. You you can't get me to fucking spend fifty dollars on a rap battle. You know, again, nine ninety nine, I get Apple Music all month. Every fucking album that comes out is just mine. It's just it's just mine to have for that same nine ninety nine. I could download a hundred fucking albums tonight for nine ninety nine. But you're going to tell me I'm going to watch a couple hours of these cats battle and it should cost me $50? You're out of your motherfucking mind. And I know I can't watch it any other way. They have those streams on lockdown. And I think partially because not enough people give a fuck about it. But um, I think a lot more people would give a fuck about it if it was a if it was at a good selling point. You know, if it was a good price range where you could say, yeah, like I got I got this fucking stream for $9.99 and and now I'm telling everybody about, yo, you got to see this shit. Yo, these cats are about to kill each other in the pre-battle. You got to see this shit. These cats are going to spit some shit because one's looking to embarrass the other. It's going to go down. I, I would promote the fuck out of that shit to other people. $50. What kind of fucking idiot would I look like to hit somebody up and be like, yo, you should get this shit. Oh, yeah, that sounds dope. What, uh, how much? Oh, it's like $50. Hello? Hello? That's what I would get. 
somebody would hang the fuck up on me if I called them and said, yo, you got to watch this rap battle. It's just like $50. Yeah. Fucking crazy. It's fucking insane. Um, new Benny to Butcher album. It's all right. Um, Benny, Benny, when I first started listening to these Griselda cats, I didn't get into all of them right away. I like the um, Freddie Gibbs album, and I like the um, fuck was that the dude? Freddie Gibbs. There's another one I really like too. Fucking slipped my mind, but um, but then I got really into the Benny and Conway, and initially I liked Benny more. I I just like like his delivery and the way he was, you know, the type of shit he was he was on. But as time has gone, I've gotten way way more into Conway. Conway's definitely my favorite hands down in that group, and pretty much one of my favorite artists out right now. There's like Papoose. There's uh, Conway, um, I like that dude, Akeem Ali, um, some Cassidy shit he puts out, um, this other dude, um, fuck is his name, Ferris Blusa, he's, he's pretty dope, I like his shit, um, I listened to a couple of his tracks, uh, the track Woodstock is like fucking crazy. I can move mountains to that fucking song. This shit's crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, and Conway's new album comes out next week. No, next Friday, I think. He's got the one track that came out from it. You could go on Apple Music and just like kind of pre-download it. So then when you wake up that morning, it's just on your shit. Onyx just put out an album yesterday. It was actually it's it's actually all right. It's not you know. Onyx 2021 isn't going to blow the fucking doors off anything. But you get some glimpses of Sticky being sticky and, you know, that that grimy shit. It's pretty good. You know, it's worth a listen. You know, again, if you have the Apple Music, it doesn't cost you fucking anything. I'm not saying go spend money on that album. I'm just saying, you know, you can give a listen and get some feel of that Onyx feel on on some of those tracks. Um, Uh... Guy gets killed in Philly working on a gun safety project. Yeah, that's crazy because, like, he was out there trying to film some shit about gun violence and got fucking killed while doing it. Like, that shows you shit's going bad. People are like, hey, we want to talk about this gun. (laughs) Fuck. Shit is fucked up, man. I I can't encourage people that I care about any more than I already do that get the fuck out of there. Do what you got to fucking do to get the fuck out of those neighborhoods because shit ain't getting better. Shit ain't about to get any different. You know? Um, Shaheen's neighbor asked her 13-year-old to go grab her gun from her car. The kid shot her, his sister. Uh, does this call for gun safety yet? She's at home now, free on bail, while her kid is being charged for murder as an adult. See, this, this is crazy shit. Now, the thing... With some of this shit is, you know, illegal guns are killing easily probably as many people, if not more, than than um than legal guns. However, there are so many legal gun deaths because their the screening process to get a gun is garbage. 
You know, it, it's complete garbage. And there's people with mental issues and just instability, like documented instability. And they're handing these people guns, fucking people erasers. They're just handing them shit that go just wipe any human being off the fucking planet at the blink of an eye. Split second. I'm mad right now. You're gone. That's it. And that there's no coming back. I just, I'm not a gun guy. I'm really not. Um, it just, I think we'd be better without a lot of them. I, I don't think every asshole that feels like killing an animal in the woods should just have a gun with fucking uh, 12 pack of Budweiser and a fucking pickup truck. They should be able to go sit in the fucking tree and shoot animals. Or, or like, I need like a, a fucking semi-automatic or an automatic machine gun and I'm just going to go to the shooting range. Well, dude, I, I don't know why you need that in your life. And now, like, you know, my nephew came over and there's a couple dead people. You know, there's people who handle shit safely. And that's that's great. But, you know, it only takes a handful of bad ones to put a really bad fucking light on the whole thing. And it, it's such a permanent, it's such a definite thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's... You could get mad at somebody, and if all you got is your hands and fucking feet, you could snap, and it'd be a minute before you actually murdered them, you know, for the most part. But you can get mad at somebody with a gun, and if you don't have self-control or any kind of, you know, thinking process to, to calm yourself down, boom, in a flash, you overreact, you kill a motherfucker, and that's it. And you don't get to come back. You, like Your days are over. You don't get to go to work the next day or just do whatever you normally do. That's over for you and for them. It, they're dead. So it's it forces a lot of really bad decisions. And it's crazy because like there's like in New Jersey, I believe there's no self-defense law. Like if someone breaks into your house and you kill them in New Jersey with, with, a, with a legal gun, with a registered gun you still go to jail because there's no self-defense in there. There's some that, you know, Texas shoot to kill if they're two blocks away from your house or some shit. But in like Jersey, I don't think you can get away with that. So why have it then? You know what I mean? Like if, if you break into my house, I mean, what's the chances that your intention is to kill my family? More likely than not, you're, you're there to take my shit. You know what I mean? Like, ah, I can't imagine you're there to kill my family and now it's worth me blowing them away and spending time in, in prison because that's the only way for my family to live. Like, I, I don't think we're really living that movie that often. You know, again, some of these neighborhoods, it, it, you know, it depends. It depends on where you live and shit like this. And if it's going to be do or die where you live at, then I mean, maybe that's that's the answer. But I feel like more times than not, it's going to be an overreaction and a very permanent decision. So it's it's not for me, you know, and, and I think it should be re-evaluated and, and some shit should be fixed. It's, it really should. Um, so let me see. I got that and then uh, I got some of my own shit here. Let me go to my Facebook because I know I had to ask some shit. If anybody had any. Questions and I had something. 
Let me see. I don't know. Where the fuck did I have that? Uh, Jeffrey Sand uh, I answered those two. Uh, he's saying, uh, research your flea treatments. It's not saying the one that I had is bad, but possibly made mine sick. Uh, it's that season. Just good time to remind people to research their products. Thanks again. So here's the thing. Um, my friend Jeffrey Sand over there, he um, treated his cat with uh, I think it's called Brevecta and it's it's a product I haven't heard of before and it may be a great product I don't really know um but I will tell you this when it comes down to vets it's no different than doctors they you know they bring their their drug reps around they buy lunches for the vets and the staff and they they you know float these good prices at you and they try to sell you their product it's, it's a product. When it comes right on down to it, these are medications, but they're also a product. So the drug companies will try to sell you their product. And if they're successful in selling your product, again, you're selling a product, so you want to sell as much of the product as possible. So if you're able to sell enough product to said veterinary place you know, or doctor, they're going to now try to push that product to try to unload what they have prior to the expiration date. So they're going to pitch what they've been pitched. You, you get what I'm saying? So it may be a great product. There's a lot of things that might be great products, but not necessarily all of them because they're, they have no choice but to sell what they've already been sold. Um, you know, working where I work in the shelter, I can say that, like, I don't think that, you know, we have all the cutting edge products. I think, you know, it's more of a, a cost effective situation because, you know, I mean, you know, cats will have over a hundred cats sometimes and we're trying to treat, you know, a hundred plus cats with flea medication. You're not going to go and get like the top of line, most expensive brand new product out there. You're going to get something that's a little bit more, um, I guess, consistent, but also cost effective. So unless that new product is the most cost effective you're unlikely to see it pop up where I'm at as quick. Um, but Nina works, you know, at an actual, you know, veterinary practice and she sees a lot more of these products that come through. So sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll ask her about if she's heard about this product or that product. Um, with me, the recommendation I'll have is the same kind of thing that I say about food, cat food, dog food, whatever. Um, consistency and longevity goes a long way for me. If a company like, um, you know, uh, Science Diet is my shit, uh, that, you know, that's been around for a long time, Hills Science Diet, and they have, uh, there's three companies that have a board certified uh, nutritionalist on, on staff, and that's Hills Science Diet, Purina, and um, Royal Canin. So you can know that those foods have been evaluated by a nutritionalist. So that, that's a good thing to begin with. And there's obviously different levels of a lot of these foods, especially Purina. Purina goes all the way down to bottom of the barrel, Purina cat chow type stuff. But then they go all the way up to prescription diets, which 
are kind of, you know, even keeled with like science diet, prescription diets, Hills prescription diets. So, you know, you can still work within the range of Purina and still come up with some really good food. Um, but again, longevity and consistency. So a uh, blue Buffalo is a very popular food, but we'll get recall lists in the shelter. And I don't know how many times I've seen blue Buffalo on those lists, whether it be one of their types of treats, one of their types of wet food, one of their, this one of their, that getting recalled on a regular basis. Neutro over the years has had countless recalls. I don't, I don't like that. You know, um, you see a lot of these different companies like that. If you see recalls on a regular basis, shit happens every once in a while to anything. But if you see just constant recall, constant recall, constant recall, you go like, you know what? I should stay away from that food before they hit exactly what my animal ate. And now I'm in for some, some big bills. Um, and then the other thing is this grain free shit has taken such like a, it's like such a trendy thing. They were all about grain-free, grain-free. Everything's bad. If it's got grain, it's bad. And then next thing you know, they find it, it it's shutting dogs' livers down. So now, now a lot of vets are speaking out against the grain-free foods. But if you jump on the trend and listen to the sales pitch, you're like, oh, I want what's best for my animal. And you're just going to go with it. But fuck that. Stick with what's been working. Instead of trying to find something better and this and that. Um, I know like your uh, revolution... Uh, you know, frontline, like th these types of companies have been around a long time in the flea products. Um, Soresto's starting to get a couple of years under their belt. You know, the uh, advantage, you know, that, that they got a lot of years under their belt. So a lot of these products, you know, they're good. Never get store-bought over-the-counter stuff. Hearts is a terrible company. I don't know how they have existed this long because they've killed thousands upon thousands of animals with their products dog you know cats and dogs going into seizures when you're using their topicals and like just just really crazy shit but um you know like the prod uh the product my friend used here he said it's an every three month product well you know by standard most of these products are are once a month you now like 30 day coverage so once you start getting into we're going to triple the amount of coverage off this one dose well you got to figure whatever you're putting in there is pretty potent and now how how long have we been doing this for you know not so long so now okay well you know what history do we have does you know in two years does this get recalled or a year does it get recalled does it start to get bad reviews off of what it is i don't know again i don't know that this is a bad product all i know is it's it's new and we don't have a long-term string of results you could say that it's good and they did this study and they did that study. Okay. But now in the open market, how many years have we logged without major incidents? I don't know. So those are the things rather than take the risk. I just take into account and just go, I'm going with old faithful here. I'm doing with this. I'm doing with that. With my, uh, with my cats, I don't have to flea treat them unless I end up with a problem through the dog. So the dog I keep on the Soresto collar that lasts eight months. So that that's like all our warm months here. And then once we get into the cold months, I could take the Soresto off and she's good. And then we hit the warm months again, get her a new one last year, eight months. And as long as she doesn't bring in any fleas, none of my cats have fleas. I have a couple white cats and everything. So, you know, as I'm petting them and stuff, if I see a little flea dirt on them, oh shit, we got to treat all the cats and then we'll get flea treatment, handle the whole crew.
you know, but generally it's never a problem. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, my, my, uh, rant on that, I guess. Um, pepper plant plans, it's a tongue twister, uh, hot sauce recommendations. If you know any brands to try out there, we're looking to try a few Inferno candy company products. I don't really know much about like different types of hot sauce and stuff like that. Uh, I made my own for a while. I, I definitely want to get back at that at some point this year. Um, pepper plant plans. I'm going tomorrow uh, for the first time in two years, returning to cross country nurseries, also known as the home of chiliplants.com to go pick out probably 20 plus different types of peppers and bring them home to uh, kind of wait, you know, a few weeks. I'll bring them in. I'll keep them inside. I'll, put them out there into the day, bring them in at night, all that stuff until, you know, we get some good overnight temperatures and, uh, you know, above 45 overnight. And then, uh, yeah. And we'll just be off and running with the peppers. So there's that. Um, Murdoch, we talked about him. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I mean, you know, it's, it's a different thing. It's definitely, um, I don't think it's really my thing. Although I think I would eat it. I just don't think regularly. You know what I mean? Like maybe if I was in the mood and there was like multiple pizzas, I'd take two regular slices and maybe one pineapple just to, to flip it up a little bit, you know? But it's another one of those like sweet and savory mixes and stuff. So it's not the craziest thing ever. I think like like anchovies should get way more shit than it does because you're putting a salty ass fish on your motherfucking pizza. And I think that should be a fucking issue. I think people who put salt on their fucking pizza should be thrown in the fucking trash. You know, things like that. Like, I, I don't I don't know why people get so angry about the pineapple pizza. But, like, as long as they're not, like, fucking delivering it to your house when you didn't order it, <laughs> you should be okay, you know. Um, popcorn. Uh, so, I've been for a while. You know, I, I'm all about movie popcorn. And I, I'm not all about the movies. I hate going to the fucking movies. And, you know, COVID shit, I mean... But, I mean, I've gone years without going to the movie theater. So I can't say, like, COVID stopped me from going. Because I, I had stopped going a long time ago. And occasionally I'd show up for something. A Muppet movie or something. But uh, it was rare. But the one thing I always missed was the movie popcorn. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, my uncle worked in a movie theater and he would bring home big fucking bags, like clear garbage bags, just full of fucking popcorn. And because at the end of the night, whatever they didn't use, they had to either throw out or take home or whatever. fuck. So he would take it home. And even days later, a week later with that bags fucking sealed up pretty nice. That shit in a bowl topped any fucking thing I could pop out of the fucking microwave or the, the stove top or air popper or any of that any of that shit. And even now, with the movie theater popcorn bags, all of that is bullshit. It's not even close. It's not even fucking remotely close. Movie theater popcorn. The texture's off. The flavor's not right. It still tastes like overly buttered microwave popcorn. So I wanted fucking movie theater popcorn. We've been doing movie night out here for for a minute now, for probably a good year now. And just just crushing it, you know. Uh, 
the one thing that's missing, you know, we got 65 inch TV, blackout curtains, fucking uh, the sound bar with the fucking bass speaker. I mean, we're rocking, but the popcorn ain't shit. So I decided it's, it's time. It's time to bring this motherfucking popcorn game to a new level. We are bringing it back to the fucking theater. So started doing some research. Um, I put out you know, a question on Facebook. Has anyone ever made uh, you know, movie theater popcorn, like legitimate? Has anybody replicated it? I got some different comments. Uh, it's funny. I'll tell you. Uh, so Nate Webb just goes, yep. So I'm sarcastic. So I just respond to that like <laughs> amazing info. Thanks, Nate. And then like five minutes later, he hit me up like um, private message and he sent me like, you know, pictures and links to all the different things he recommends and stuff like that. And I didn't really go with a lot of like the things that he sent me, but he actually did reach out and we talked back and forth for a minute and he gave me recommendations and suggestions. He, he cooks his ass off. If you watch the, uh, Nate Webb, uh, motherfucking cooking guy. I forget what it's called. It's on IWTV though. Um, but, uh, and supposedly there's a bunch more episodes, another like five episodes that he recorded, but, uh, they keep dragging their feet on it. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's an IWTV thing anymore, or if that's like, uh, that was a GCW production and now they don't know where to put it. Cause it's not really like, they don't have a net. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so we talked about it, you know, and, um, but so, so the conclusion that I came to for sure from the start was I knew I needed an oil popper because that's the big thing about, um, you know, the difference in consistency is the oils that are popping. It gives it that dense, you know, like the pores on that fucking shit. The popcorn's kind of heavy, you know, but it's not, it's hard to explain because, Sometimes the microwave popcorn's heavy, but it's not in a good way. And it just doesn't, it's filled with the wrong shit. So when the oils, you know, do the thing and the oil popper, you got your consistency. Now, when I looked up, I found out that something called Flavacol, which, you know, you always thought like, I'm just getting fucking salt and butter and they're doing the oil popper and this and this. But what the fuck is making movie popcorn so much different? This shit called Flavacol. You can order it off Amazon and uh, it's like a, a half a teaspoon for like the whole fucking batch of popcorn you're making. And this shit gives it the movie theater flavor. And then I got the imitation butter flavoring, whatever the fuck you call it. It's like just a jar of like orange shit. But that's that's what the movie uses when they pump that shit out. That shit ain't melted butter. That's that fucking weird shit. That's what makes the movie theater popcorn. So I got all those things. I got the fucking the the air the the, the oil popper, the fucking flavor call. You put the fucking coconut oil in with the flavor call up top. Let that shit pop off. Shit comes out right. And then you, I, I got a um a curb tip syringe and I and I draw the fucking fake butter shit into that. And then you could just kind of spray it all over the popcorn while you're putting it in the bowl. It's fucking dope. Um, so yeah, popcorn is fucking right now. And now it's, uh, it's, it's fucking, it's legit. I ain't got no reason to go back to the fucking movie theater. Um, so, um, that's that highly recommended. Um, 
Muppets top 50 list. Now, this is some shit that I got to get into, but uh, let me see. Let me see if I got anything else. Because I, I have, like, I have their list. I have my list. I have the whole shit. Oh, Teddy. Uh, so another thing about Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart was featured on a podcast called Crime in Sports. Go look that shit up and give that a listen. Now, there's a lot left out because they completely missed the whole Teddy and Maria saga. Like, they mentioned that they were together and they mentioned some kind of stuff. But, and you know, and then the incident with the the dude pulling the gun on them and, 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 and all that shit, but they didn't get the full Teddy and Maria YouTube experience. Cause there's so much of weird fucking crazy shit. That's definitely noteworthy if they had seen that. But I think most of that shit all got deleted. So I'm hoping some people out there, you know, save that shit to their computer or something. Cause that some of that shit was absolute gold that, that fuck you schlack video. I mean, fucking unreal like that was the beginning and still one of the absolute best videos of the whole thing but then when he started bedazzling his entire fucking life like you know that that's some shit that like they would have mentioned if they knew about it but they didn't they were kind of outsiders on the thing but they did their research they they put a lot of shit out there and i was very happy to hear another audience you know like um this is hitting a new audience. So they're telling a whole new audience what a piece of shit Teddy Hart is. And, and I'm very thankful for that. So that's why I'm plugging them today. Go check out crime and sports and, you know, why listen to what they have to say. Cause a lot of it, you know, if you're a real indie fan, Northeast indie fan, you know, the majority of the stuff that they're saying already, if not all of the stuff they're saying already, but it's still a good listen. I think, you know, they, they go over all of this shit and, uh, yeah, so check that out. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, these Muppet rankings, we're going to have to get into this. Uh, shout out to my boy Jeremy at uh, I Got You Five Stars. He's over there doing his thing. He, he drove the fuck down to Kentucky for whatever fucking reason. Watched the Trainwreck show and then an Ian show and... He did a whole weekend out there, but the whole weekend he brought his his uh, his recording equipment. So he was right that night reviewing shows and talking to people, and you know, so you could check that whole thing out and see what you know Kentucky and all that's been up to. Um, Kentucky, Indiana, or I think they combined them into one state down there. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but um, but you can listen to his show and he'll catch you up on all that shit. Um, then we got uh. Eric at the, I think Jalen Hurts is our quarterback and I don't know shit else about our team podcast, but, uh, now check Eric out for sure. He's a great dude. Solid motherfucker. He's always had my back and I appreciate that. Uh, check out Andrew Carluck at false count radio. Check out struggling with Sozio. I don't know if he's got current shit going on with that. I know he just cut his hair off. So maybe now he's too good for podcasts. Um, but you know, who knows, you know, maybe he'll, he'll have like a more sophisticated podcast and he won't be struggling anymore. It'll just be with Sozio, you know, I don't know, but, but check him out. He's got archives either way. He's my dude. Check him out. Uh, and I think that's all I got as far as plugs and shit, right? right. I don't know. 
But yeah, so let's get into this Muppet ranking. Now these these motherfucks. Um, let me see. Uh, I know I had the fucking link. I just want to quote what what the fuck they're called. It's called a ruthless ranking of the twenty five best Muppets according to listeners. I don't know who the fuck their listeners are. I don't give a fuck. Uh, pop culture happy hour. Fuck your listeners. I'm just gonna tell you straight up. So now they're saying the parameters of this was any Muppet, Muppet Show, Muppet Babies, Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, Labyrinth, all that shit. Now, some of the rules that they put down, uh, they're saying some Muppets were counted as a set, like Stotler and Waldorf. Others are counted individually, like Beaker and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and Bert and Ernie. I don't give a fuck what your rules are because you ain't splitting Bert and Ernie up because who the fuck's list is Bert making if you take him away from fucking Ernie? Whose fucking list is Dr. Bunsen Honeydew making if you take him away from Beaker? Those motherfuckers are a pair. So that's it. That's a wrap there. I'm telling you right now they're a pair on my fucking list and that's just the way it's going to go. Uh, so that's 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 the whole fucking wrap there. Now, meanwhile, they, they tell you that Fraggles can be in there and Labyrinth can be in there. But they didn't add any of those motherfuckers. So... Here goes their fucking list. Let, let me uh, let me pull this shit out of here. I got it all written down. Old school radio, even papers. Uh, <laughs> so they got at twenty five. They got the count from Sesame Street, um, which is not a great number for them to be at, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, twenty four. You got Doctor Teeth. Um, I'm telling you right now, everyone in Electric Mayhem outside of animals getting the fuck off this list as soon as I start talking about my guys. And and it's not like they're bad characters, but let's let's be fucking real. There's a lot of fucking ground to cover here in 25 with all of those things on the table. And you you know what I mean? You can't just start you can't start doing that shit. Um if anyone belongs in it that, that was like a tough call or whatever, it's Dr. Teeth. That's it. You know, um, and then you got, uh, Bert at 23, which come on, man, you squeezed him the fuck in there and all this. And, you know, you, you already know the deal. Like you, you already know that, that, that is a bad fucking move when you split him off of Ernie. Cause you know, uh, let me see. Yeah. Okay. I'm still on. So I'm going to make sure. Um, 22, they got Elmo. Let me fucking tell you motherfuckers something right now. 22? This is some biased, stupid-ass shit, because Elmo's a goddamn superstar. But we'll, we'll get to fucking Elmo. When we get to my list, I'll tell you a little bit more about these motherfuckers, or at least how I feel. Uh, Scooter at 21. Fucking crazy. He's getting the fuck off my list, too. And again, here's a cool character, but... We got a lot of ground to cover. Snuffle up against a 20. Uh, Sweetums at 19. Ernie at 18. Sam the Eagle at 17. Pepe the King Prawn at 16. Janice at 15. Again, Janice. Stop. Yo. There ain't a motherfucker from the Fraggles. There ain't a fucking person. There ain't a, there ain't a Muppet from Labyrinth that you put into this shit. And you got Janice at 15. 
You got Janice higher than Elmo. Stop. Stop playing with me, man. Uh, Big Bird at 14. Oscar at 13. Rizzo at 12. Cookie Monster at 11. Stotler and Waldorf at 10. Swedish Chef at 9. Miss Piggy at 8. Fozzie the Bear at... Fozzie Bear at 7. Grover at 6. Rolf at 5. Beaker at 4. Animal at 3. Gonzo at 2. And Kermit at 1. Okay. Fuck that list for the most part. And, you know, there's exceptions. Clearly, the number one is going to be the number one. Okay. So let me go, I guess... Let's go from top. Let's go from first to last this time with my list. So my list goes Kermit number one, obviously. I mean, you already know. Kermit's the leader of the fucking Muppets. He's an icon. You know, he's the only Muppet, really, that, that crossed over and, and showed up on Sesame Street. You know, they they need to involve Kermit. That's star power. Um, so then uh, number two is Elmo. Are you fucking kidding me? This guy... Did this, this little red motherfucker? He's a superstar, you know. Elmo's world, the fucking the amount of Elmo videos they pumped out of there. This dude had people fucking trampling each other in in fucking WalMarts and and Toys R Uses, murdering each other around Christmas time every year for the new Elmo drop. Are you fucking kidding me? Putting him at twenty two? You're fucking crazy. That shit is blasphemous yeah i mean crazy as hell miss piggy's three i mean again icon you just got to go with she's not my favorite this isn't really about my favorite this is about what i feel is fucking right you know um big bird at four he's the leader of the fucking sesame street he's the head of the fucking sesame street and when you also included that what it took carol spinney to produce that fucking character he was in that suit his fucking hand was controlling the head. So his arm was way the fuck up over his head while he walked around. His other arm was Big Bird's other arm. And he had the fucking look into a monitor to see where the fuck he was going and how his actions were as a fucking Big Bird and talking into a mic that translated up through his fucking mouth. Like, it's unbelievable that that character wasn't just like a short-lived thing that they did a little bit. He was like a main feature character with tremendous difficulty on operating that guy. I mean, Carol's a fucking legend, and the, the reason why that guy is in the fucking four spot is because look at it. And then another Carol Spinney, superstar fucking legend, Oscar the Grouch at five. Hands down. I mean, you already know. Oscar is a fucking... He's a staple. Everybody knows Oscar the Grouch. Um, so that's the earliest one of the guys on my tattoos that I have. And Animal's my favorite, but that doesn't mean that he belongs where these motherfuckers had him. I mean... So, Ralph is number six for me. Ralph was a goddamn superstar. He, he was... He was telling some of the best jokes on the fucking Muppet show. Those slick ass like adult jokes and shit that kind of flew under the over the heads of the, the kids and it hit the fucking parents and then he'd be singing songs and playing a piano and all of that. Like Rolf had fucking 
tremendous star power. Probably the most underrated Muppet in the history of the Muppet Show. Next up, Gonzo. Played the perfect role of the weirdo. The I don't know what he is, but he's he's there. And, you know, he really portrayed, you know, the, the outcast. And he was into the chickens and all of that shit. Like, Gonzo, again, top guy. Fozzie Bear, obviously, you know, pretty much Kermit's sidekick. You know, Fozzie's got to be up there. Next up, Rover. You know, you got Grover, you got Super Grover, the different uh, variations of him. You, I mean, you, you got to put Grover as a, as a high-ranking Sesame Street member for sure. And then I round out the top 10 with Animal. Again, Animal, my absolute favorite. He was just always fun. But, you know, he's kind of like the comic relief. Your whole sketch will go by with Animal chilling. And then he'll snap at the end and, and give you that laugh. But Animal isn't carrying the whole sketch throughout. That's why I put guys like Rolf so much higher and, and, and guys like that because they carried so much length of the jokes and the show and everything. And Animal had his bits for sure that stood out. But, you know, it, it, it's on a different level. The, um, Stotler and Waldorf. Again, the comic relief of these guys the fucking nonstop jokes and like belittling the, the actual show that they're putting on. Like to even have like puppet hecklers on your fucking show, heckling the show that you're producing is, I mean, I guess part genius and part you would think risky. Cause God forbid people start agreeing with the old men. They're like, fuck this show. <laughs> I can't wait for it to be over. You know, like it. I, I really love their fucking their shit. Swedish chef number 12. You know, this dude didn't speak any kind of English. He got his fucking gimmick, his 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 whole character across, which is speaking gibberish and throwing shit in the air. Also, the only Muppet with human hands like they would use the human hands to do all the shit he was doing. You know, uh, great character. Bert and Ernie, number 13. Again, this is a fucking pair. Bert and Ernie together. Legendary fucking skits. You know what I mean? It, they they got to be a pair. Where the fuck? They live together. You, I mean, you, what are you going to do? You got to get out of the house. So we're, we're ranking guys so you don't get to be here today. You know what I mean? Fuck out of here. Bert and Ernie, 13. Cookie Monster, 14. Again, another icon. I had Cookie up high early. When I was starting to do this list the other day, and then as I kept talking and thinking, I had to keep knocking him down the list because he's an icon, but he's a one-trick pony. He's just he st he stands around and he throws cookies in his face, and and that's just that's just his thing, you know what I mean? And it's great, but again, like let's talk about like the amount of jokes, the difficulty of this and that. Um, so that, that's why I, I dropped him down to 14, even though he is an icon. Uh, Beaker and Bunsen. Great, great duo. Great comic relief out of, out of that. They always set it up with Bunsen trying to do some old high-end experiment that's going to work out. Never fucking works out, and Beaker pays for it every fucking time. Um, great gimmick. Rizzo the Rat. I mean, solid character. He's carried fucking movies and shit. I mean... His comic relief in um, Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, that that makes the fucking movie. 
You know, there's there's a lot of greatness to that movie, but in the same token, without Rizzo doing what Rizzo did, I mean, he he's like the comic relief of that movie. Like through, he keeps that shit bopping. Um, Pepe King Prawn, he stepped up big too. He's another kind of Rizzo character where he just gets real involved, big personality, little ass character. And again, level of difficulty. It's talking a very small thing to have to operate. You can't keep. You know, there's no sleeve arms on anything, so you're doing all rod shit for the most part. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Pepe King Prong. Uh, 18, I got the count. Uh, 19, I got Uncle Deadly. Deadly. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a great character. I mean, honestly, this guy would be in the fucking top 10 if, if he came out. And they, they featured him a lot. See, he came out in the original Muppet show, but they didn't really feature him throughout. They didn't carry him into the movies and make him have big roles in the movies or anything like that. It wasn't until recent adaptations that they really started featuring him. And his character is great because he's a Muppet dragon, but he's got this like sophisticated speech. You know what I mean? So it's it's wild. Like, uncle deadly and he's got the, the the crazy look and the ominous look and people are scared of him and then his whole shit is like cultured so it's it's dope but again he's got to be down at 19 because he just he just was underused as far as a featured character until you know more recent years um next up sweetums you know great um He's another one of these, like, uh, you know, full body costume guys. He, he's always made a good impact on things. Snuffle up against right behind him. Same kind of deal. Uh, Sam the Eagle at 22. And then I rounded out with, I, I would say the best fraggle for me is Wembley. So I put Wembley at 23. And I rounded out the, the whole countdown or count up or whatever you want to call this with uh, two Two guys from Labyrinth. Hoggle being number 24. Because, although maybe not my favorite character, he carried the movie. He played, you know, the the thieving, underhanded guy. He, paid, he played the sympathetic character. You know, it, he, he did a lot for the movie. So I, I feel like Hoggle's got to be there. And to me, Sir Didymus is number 25 because that puppet overall was you know it was a character riding a dog like the whole thing was a just a dope ass idea and i thought the execution on it was great him arguing with the dog and shit and you know i, I just thought that character really worked well and it uh it fit great in the movie and all of that stuff so that was me i, I was teetering between him and ludo and i wasn't gonna put hoggle in but hoggle did too much for that movie for me to just go like ah that's not my guy i'll go with Lu so I, I had to get Ludo out of there, but he was like right on the cusp. Like I said, Ludo, Dr. Teeth, those are like the honorable mention. But uh, so that that's my list. And that's how I feel about that shit. Um, so that's what the deal is. Uh, I think that's all I got. I mean, I think I covered a lot of shit, so works for me. And uh, yeah, I'll check you motherfuckers out. Hopefully next week or some shit. I don't, I don't really know what the fuck. Uh, you never know with me, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Peace.